many may go this holiday season sit at a table where they're not welcome sit with family they're indifferent to but in God's house in God's economy there's a table you can come to you can come as you are you can bring it all to the table amen all right second Samuel chapter number nine you probably already there because I know some of y'all like to cheat and erase Preacher Dunn said that's where we're going to be at, so we just go right on over there, just get there before everybody else does. I need some help. Don't act like you're not competitive, all right? Speaking of which, the dogs won yesterday. Y'all didn't think, y'all didn't think I was going to let that pass, did you? And, uh, and the Gators lost. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Praise God and the Lamb. And uh, Tennessee lost, and that's always a good thing. And uh, is everybody all right? Y'all got quiet on me. I didn't think I had any Tennessee fans in here anymore, and uh, I thought they all left. And uh, uh, years ago, disappointed. And uh, but anyhow, I appreciate you being here this morning. We real quickly this morning we want to look at uh, this story of Mephibosheth, and uh, I want to read if I can. Uh, just a few verses out of this. In verse number seven, you know the story of Mephibosheth. If you don't, uh, Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. Saul, because of his kingship, because of his reign, Jonathan was the heir to the throne, which makes Mephibosheth an heir to to the throne. But yet God anointed David to be the king over Israel. Now, for most people, that would have been a great big problem, but not for Jonathan. Because the Bible says Jonathan loved David as he loved his own soul. And so Jonathan, recognizing the anointing that David had on his life, and I'm not talking about Jonathan realizing the anointing that Samuel put on him. But Jonathan realized the anointing that God had placed on David. Matter of fact, Jonathan said, I know that there's going to come a time and there'll come a day where you will be king. Saul admitted to this in 1 Samuel chapter number 24. Saul said... that God has anointed you to be king, or I realize that there's coming a day that you will be king. Even Saul seen the anointing on David. And for most, uh, what we know to be history, for most history, not just in the Bible, but throughout man's history, when it comes to kingship and the reign and the heirs coming to the throne, we know that that is a battle that is generally fought uh, to the death of, uh, uh, of the individual. So eventually, uh, uh, in every situation where there's been an overthrow of a kingdom, there is the slaughter of all the heirs. And, uh, and so Jonathan, recognizing the anointing that David had, that God had on David's life, Jonathan, excuse me, made a covenant with David. Uh, the Bible says this made a covenant literally means cut 
a covenant. And if you've been in the Bible Institute, you know exactly how that is done and what the significance of that is. For many of us, a covenant today uh, is nothing more than a promise that's not kept. But back in biblical times, when they made these covenants, they would cut an animal in two and they would swear that if they didn't hold up their end of the bargain, that they would be as that animal that was cut in two. In other words, this is what they did. They said, if I don't hold up my end of this, then God kill me like these animals that we're walking through, all right? So it was very serious when a covenant was made in the Bible, and David and Jonathan made a covenant between the two of them, and Jonathan's covenant, Jonathan asked David, in 1 Samuel chapter number 20, Jonathan asked David to show kindness to his family when he came to his throne. When David, in other words, when David, Jonathan knew that David would become king and what Jonathan wanted from David more than anything was the assurance that he would not be killed and the assurance that his children would not be killed as well. And so David, in 2 Samuel chapter number 9, he's already become king. Saul has died and Jonathan has died in battle. And so David is now the king. At the announcement that Saul and Jonathan were dead, the nurse grabs Mephibosheth, a child, a baby at the time, five years old. I think it was a child. Five years old. He's five years old at the time. And as they were fleeing the palace, as they were trying to get away because they just knew that David would now be anointed or, or be given that king, appointed king, and David would kill them all, they ran off with Mephibosheth, a five-year-old boy, and the nurse dropped him. In, when she dropped him, his legs broke. And the Bible tells us that he was crippled from this fall. And they took and they ran and they hid from David, not realizing that David had made a covenant to show kindness to the house of Jonathan and essentially the house of Saul. And so not knowing that God or that this king, this, this king David would show kindness, they ran and hid themselves. The Bible says that Mephibosheth hid in a place called Lodabar. This place called Lodabar, it literally means a wasteful place or a place of no bread, a place that was barren. And can I say this? Uh, we can all identify with this place in our life. At some point in our life, we were all living in barrenness. We were all living a wasteful life. We were all living in a place where there was no bread and there was no blessings. Can I get a witness? And so this is Mephibosheth and this is Mephibosheth's life. In this story in 2 Samuel chapter number 9, David has remembered the covenant that he has made with Jonathan. It's a very short chapter, and, and so David, in this very short chapter, shows us not only the relationship that he had with Jonathan and the covenant that he had with Jonathan, but David shows us the relationship that God has with each one of us. It's a very important passage of Scripture in the Bible because, you know, there's some places in the Bible, I've told you before, like Genesis 22, where we read about Abraham and Isaac, but it's not really about Abraham and Isaac. It's about God the Father and God the Son. This is another opportunity in the Old Testament where we're talking about a story of David and Mephibosheth, but it's really not a, David, a story of David and Mephibosheth. It's really a story of God the Father and us and us. 
And so uh, 13 verses is all it is, but there's so much involved in it. But this morning, I just want to look at a few verses and get us going. In verse number 7, I want you to notice, and David said unto him, David is talking to Mephibosheth. He has found Mephibosheth because of a servant by the name of Ziba. And Ziba says, hey, there's one that's still alive out of Jonathan's house. And David said, I want to show kindness to this man. So he goes and he finds Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth has been living under the lie that David is going to kill him as soon as he meets him. He's living under the lie that the king is going to want vengeance and not show kindness. And so he comes, and in fear he stands before David. And the Bible says, and David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness, not because of who you are. I need somebody to help me. Don't miss this. Not because of who you are. Not because of what you can provide. Not because of what I can get out of you or what I can get out of somebody else. But David said, I am going to show you kindness for Jonathan, thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Now I want you to go down to verse number 11. The Bible says, Then said Ziba, this is the servant, unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servants, uh, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. Now I want you to look in verse number 13. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. And so we have a beautiful picture of God doing a work here uh, through David and Mephibosheth. I want you to notice real quickly the story of Mephibosheth. I want to give you three points about Mephibosheth and then we want to apply it to our lives. Alright? So first off, I want you to notice the uh, uh, the redemption of Mephibosheth. The redemption of Mephibosheth. The, uh, we notice the redemption of Mephibosheth because there was a fall that disassociated him. There was a fall that disassociated him. What do you mean by that, preacher? Back years ago, when he was five years old and he was running for his life from the kingdom he broke both of his legs there was a fall but the reason that he was running because it was because of the sins of his father and of his grandfather and the fear that the king the new king would kill him over that I need somebody to help me right here and so we see that there was a fall that disassociated him in other words this was a boy that grew up in the palace this was a boy up until five years of age that had everything that he ever wanted. God had taken care of him in the palace. His father had watched over him in the palace. He had everything and everything that he could possibly want in the palace. But because of an ancestor, now he is running for his life. Now all of a sudden he is crippled from a fall and he is no longer associated with the palace. He's no longer associated with the royal family. He's no longer invited to the table. I want you to notice a futility that devastated him because of this because of all the actions that happened in Mephibosheth's life he literally thought himself to be useless I want you to look at a verse with me and man I, this thing just kind of got a hold of me the Bible says in verse number 8 after David had said fear not and you're going to eat at my table continually look at what he did the Bible says he bowed himself and said what is thy servant 
that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am. Mephibosheth, because he'd been living in a life of barrenness, because he'd been living in a life with no fruit and no bread, because he was living in a wasteland and a wasted life, it had affected how he thought about himself. I need somebody to help me right here. He thought he was useless. He thought he was worthless. He thought that nobody else would have anything to do with him and nobody wanted anything to do with him. We see the futility that devastated him. Can you imagine living your entire life thinking that you are absolutely useless and that nobody loves you, nobody cares for you, nobody wants to show you kindness? I need somebody to help me. That life is unfair here. An heir to the throne is hiding for his life with both legs broken and no bread on his table. No, a life that is wasteful. And he's looking back and he says, Hey, I'm useless to everybody. This was the futility that devastated him. But I want you to notice there was a friend that desired him. He didn't know that there was a friend that desired after him. But that friend was the king. And that king, he wanted to show kindness to Mephibosheth, not because of what Mephibosheth had to offer the king, but because of a covenant that was made with his father, a covenant that was made with David's best friend, a covenant that was made with David's brother, if you will, David had made a covenant, and because of that covenant, David wanted to show kindness. This word kindness means grace. It means something that he did not desire. I need somebody to help me. He wanted to show somebody some love and somebody some care, not because he deserved it. David was looking to show somebody uh, grace. Let me say it like this. The king wanted to show somebody else grace. We see the redemption of Mephibosheth. We see the reception of Mephibosheth. We see the anxiety that Mephibosheth had in verse number 7. The Bible says that he came, and he came before David, and David had to tell him, fear not. He came in fear. He came scared to stand before the king, and yet... David said, fear not. He says, I mean to do you well. I mean to be kind to you. I mean to show you grace. And so not only do we see the anxiety of Mephibosheth, but we see the affection for Mephibosheth. It was David who loved Mephibosheth, not because of who he was, but because of covenant that was made. For somebody else's sake, David loved Mephibosheth. And so we see the affection of Mephibosheth, but then we see the adoption of Mephibosheth. Because God, I'm getting ahead of myself, David brought him into the family, and David said, you're going to sit at my table, in verse number 11, as one one of my sons, not as a servant, not as somebody that I'm just putting as a spectacle, but you will sit at my table continually from here on out, perpetually, as long as I'm on the throne. You will sit at my table as my son, not as a servant, not as somebody lowly and useless, but as a son of the king. You will sit at my table. And so we see the adoption of of Mephibosheth. But then lastly, I want you to notice the restoration of Mephibosheth. God, I'm getting ahead of myself. The king, he gave ownership back 
to uh, Mephibosheth. See, Mephibosheth had lost all kind of things when he ran off from the king. He had lost all kind of inheritance when he left the king, when he ran for his life, when he went into a wasteful land, when he went into a barren life. He had run off from the king and he had left his inheritance. Is everybody with me? But David restored his inheritance. David said, I'll give you all the lands of Saul. But he went a little bit farther. He, we see not only his ownership, but his stewardship. David told Ziba, who was a servant of Saul, not only were you the servant of Saul, and now you're my servant, but from here on out, you will be the servant to Mephibosheth. The Bible tells us that Ziba had 15 sons, I believe it says. He had 15 sons and 20 servants, and those 15 sons and 20 servants now became uh, uh, the servants and, and now worked for Mephibosheth. Now that don't mean a whole lot to you unless you understand typology in the Bible, but in the Bible, Ziba in typology is the Holy Spirit. He come, he notified the Father that there was such a king that was looking, or there was such a man named Mephibosheth that the king was looking for, and Ziba went and got Mephibosheth. The king didn't go and get Mephibosheth. It was the servant. It was Ziba. It was Ziba, whatever his name is. It was him that went and got Mephibosheth and brought him to the king. And then, the, if that wasn't good enough, the king said, not only do I want you to go get him, but when you get him back here, I want you to serve him. I want you to work for him. I want you to bring blessings in his life as you work in his life and for his life. So we see the stewardship that was restored. We see fellowship that was restored. Uh, fellowship, this fellowship was around the table. This was a table that he was not welcomed at because he was an heir of a past kingdom. He was not welcomed at this table, but uh, to get ahead of myself, King David showed fellowship to him at this table, allowing him to sit at this table with him. And then we see relationship. This relationship, David said, you're not going to sit at my table as a servant. You're not going to sit at my table and me sympathize or a pity party over you. You are one of my sons. You will sit at the table in relationship with me. Now, how does that pertain to all of us, preacher? You and I was Mephibosheth. We had some ancestors. The Bible says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. You and I was crippled from a fall that happened way back in the Garden of Eden. You and I were heir to the thrones, but now we no longer have the uh, 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 the pathway to the throne. Now we're hiding out. We were hiding out from God, living a wasteful life, and God inquired about us through the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit to a church service. He sent him to your house. He sent him somewhere in your life, and the Holy Spirit showed up and said, hey, I want to tell you something. There's a God that loves you. There's a king, not just a little K king. There's a big K king, the king of kings. He loves you and he wants to show you grace. And oh, I need somebody to help me. Oh, Ziba, the Holy Spirit brought you and I into the presence of God. And God said, fear not, for I want to show you kindness. I want to love you, not because of who you are, not because of what you've done, but because of your father, because of another. And he would say it like this, because of my son who hung on a cross for you 2,000 years ago, a covenant that was made between me and him that I would show grace to those that 
came through him. And so you and I are living Mephibosheth, who's been restored back to ownership and inheritance. The Bible says that it's in heaven, reserved in heaven for you and I to a stewardship where the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and ministers in our lives and brings blessings in our lives to fellowship where we can stand before the king, stand in the presence of the king, come into his presence and speak to the king. Why? Because the veil has been rent and access has been given to the Father and you and I have a relationship. The Bible says that we are no longer foreigners. We are no longer strangers, but you and I are adopted sons. You and I can come into the presence not as a servant, not as somebody that's useless, but as a son of the king. Mm. See, Mephibosheth's about us. The story's about us. The Bible tells us, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter number 4. I want you to go to verse number 31 and verse number 32. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 31 and 32. You and I, listen to me. You and I, everybody look up here. She's getting it on the screens. Everybody look up here. You and I have been shown grace by God. You and I have a place at his table perpetually, continually. You and I can pull up to that table. I need somebody to help me. And although we're crippled, although we're broken, that ain't all that's under the table, all that's unseen. We sit as an heir to the throne, a joint heir with Jesus. You and I are as one of God's sons. Everybody all right? God's given us that grace. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Thanksgiving. It's a time that's associated with a table and a turkey. God help you. It's a time that's associated with family, a time that's associated with friends, a time that's associated with the harvest, a time that's associated with thanksgiving and love. But for many of us today, it's a time where we don't want to be there. It's a time where we have everything else in the world to do and we don't want to be at that table. Because sitting at that table, we're reminded of those who's no longer there at that table. Sitting at that table, we're reminded of those that are around that table that we've, we've spent a great deal of time with, growing up with, being around all of our lives, and maybe they've done something that's caused us harm. They call, they, they've done something that hurt you and I. And so it's not a table of thanksgiving that we sit at. Y'all listen to me. Everybody listen to me. Don't, 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 don't miss this. It's not a table of thanksgiving we sit at anymore. It's a table of endurance. We endure having to be around those. We endure it. We, 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 don't, we don't have a table of thanksgiving. We endure the family. We endure. I need, y'all, y'all better help me. Don't act like I don't know what I'm talking about. I know my family, all right? I need some help. We endure it. Matter of fact, if we had the choice, we wouldn't be there. Matter of fact, if we could get away with it, we'd invite some, but not all. I need somebody to help me. I mean, we'd send out an RSVP, and they wouldn't get the RSVP. tables that you ain't welcomed at. There's tables you won't welcome somebody else at. But yet you sit at a table not because of who you are 
but because of who he is. You don't sit at a table because you earned it. You don't sit at that table because you're good. You don't sit at that table because you have something to offer. The truth is, is you're broken. You just were broke. You're just a mess. I need somebody to help me. We all just a mess, broken. And if it wasn't for God, we'd still be living a wasteful life and a land of no fruit and a land of no bread. But yet God showed kindness to us because of Jesus. God showed kindness to us. And so God tells us, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Look at the next verse. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Look at this. Look, look. Even as God, for Christ's sake, have forgiven you. Who's going to be at your table this year? Hey, let me remind you of what table you're sitting at. Let me stop. Let me remind you. Let me remind you before you start, before you start going through the list. Let me remind you who's going, who, whose table you're sitting at. Whose table you're sitting among. Oh, I need somebody to help me. All these people that we read about and we say, oh, they're pillars of the faith. They're sitting at the same table you and I are. Oh, I need somebody to help me. Oh, Simon Peter sitting at the ta- same table you and I are. Oh, John, the beloved, sitting at the same table that you and I are. Oh, Paul, the one that we say is the greatest missionary, he's sitting at a table, but bless God, I'm sitting at the same table that he is. Not because I've outworked him, not because I've outdone him, not because I'm a better Christian than him, I need somebody to help me, but because of the grace of God, I get to sit at this table. So who am I? Who are you? Start saying, you can't sit at my table. You can sit at my table, but I ain't going to like it. We're just going to get through the holidays. Don't speak to one another, and it's all going to be all right. But that ain't what the Bible says. It says, be ye kind one to another. Well, preacher, kindness is me not saying anything to them. That's not really kind. I need somebody to help me. You ever walked into a building? I need somebody to help me. You ever walked into the building and put your hand out to somebody and they didn't shake your hand? Oh, well, they didn't, they didn't hurt you. But they didn't show you kindness, did they? Oh, see, that's for some of y'all. Y'all thinking right now, <laughs> I'm going to just get through it. Just going to hang out around the table. I ain't going to speak to them. They can live their life. I'll live my life and everything will be all right. We won't have to see each other until next year. Be you kind one to another. Oh, be tenderhearted. Oh, I need, you know, you know what tenderhearted ain't? Blowed up like an old bullfrog. That ain't tenderhearted. Hey, look at this next one. Forgiving one another. Y'all want me to preach that? You want me to preach that? Yeah, come on, talk to me. We done bowed up like we done blowed up like a bullfrog. Decided we're gonna sit over here in the corner. Hide out. God said, yeah, we're to we're to forgive one another. 
Be tenderhearted to one another. Be kind to one another. We're not to do it because they earned it. We're not to do it because they deserved it. We're not to do it because the preacher said so. We're to do it because God, for Christ's sake, has given you a seat at the table. covenant that's perpetual I wonder how many of us to say this ever since I got invited to the table I haven't been perfect how many of us to say that raise your hand neither is that family member you don't want at that table but I got an idea that every time you went to God he forgave you of your trespasses against him I, I got a feeling I got a feeling, Brother Sheldon, that according to the Bible, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And God will do that for me. Then. Say it again, Frank. Do it for them. He'll, he'll do it for them, but he, I'm supposed to do it for them. I'm supposed to do it for them, Chris. Not because I'm a good Christian. I need somebody to help me because I ain't. Can I get a witness from everybody? I ain't. I ain't talking about me right there. I'm talking about you. You ain't either. I ain't. I do it for his sake. I do it for his sake, not because I'm holy, not because I'm righteous, not because I'm a, I'm a perfect little Christian. I do it for his sake. Who's going to be at your table this year? And how are you going to show kindness? How are you going to show tenderheartedness? How are you going to be forgiven? It's what God did for you. Just like King David did for Mephibosheth. Somebody say amen. You glad God invited you to the table. Listen here. This is what we're going to do, all right? I want you to get off your behinds. Find a place around the altar. Oh, I done been to the altar during the singing. Yeah, but you needed that preaching. You know why I know you needed that preaching? Because I needed that preaching. So I want you to find your place around the altar. Just load it up everywhere. Don't, don't sit there. I'm going to sit right here and take care of it. No, that's your problem right now. That's your problem right now. You got too much pride to get off your butt. Walk down to an altar, fall on your face before God and say, God, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I've not been kind. I've not been tenderhearted. I've not been forgiven. God, you did all those things for me and put me at a table. Not to look down your nose at me, not to look at me as a servant. God, you look at me across that table as a son. The great men of the Bible sit at the same table that God, you have invited me to. Because of your son, God, I'm no longer a stranger. I'm adoption. I'm adopted into the family. An inheritance reserved in heaven for me. Kept 
by the power of God sitting at a table perpetually. I wonder if there'd be anybody in the building say, Preacher, there's never been a time that I've been saved. There's never been a time where I've trusted Christ as my personal Savior. I want you to know that God loves you. Sent the Holy Spirit here this morning to let you know that God loves you. God desires to have a relationship, to have fellowship with you. So if you're in this building, say, Preacher, I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I know about Him, but I don't know Him as my Savior. Preacher, if I was to die right now, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or if I'd go to hell. But preacher, I want to know. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand straight up. Nobody's looking around, just me. Is there anybody in the building? Be honest with the preacher. Just lift your hand straight up and you put it back down. You can put it down. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else in the building? Heavenly Father, Lord, there's one that's lifted their hand this morning. I remember September 28, 1997, when I was asked that same question. I remember having to be honest with myself and having to admit that if I died that morning, I'd go to hell. Lord, I pray, Lord, for the courage. I pray for this individual. God, I'm not asking them to do something I have never done. I'm not asking them to do something nobody else in this church has ever done. God, I'm asking them to receive you just as I did. Knowing that, God, you'll receive them just as you did me. Adopt them into the family. An inheritance, Lord. Not of this world, but of one to come. Reserved, waiting on us. A relationship with the king. Not just any king, not an earthly king. But the king of kings. Not because of who we are. But God, because of who you are. Because of the finished work of the cross that your son Jesus hung on God I pray you'll do a work this morning in Jesus name head still bowed with me if you raised your hand why not get that thing right today nobody's looking around I got somebody right down here that can help you if you'll come they'll take a bible and they'll show you how you can be saved won't be what the preacher said. It won't be what your family member said. It won't be what religion said. We'll let you read for yourself from the Word of God how you can be saved. And today, you can leave this building knowing that you are a child of God, knowing that you have a place at the table, 
knowing that you have an inheritance in heaven waiting for you. If you'll let us do that this morning, I want you to get right up out of your seat. Come right down front. I'm coming down front in front of the altar. I'll meet you here. Won't you come this morning? Let's get this thing settled. You can lay your head down on a pillow tonight knowing that if you were to die, you'd spend eternity with the King of Kings. And the blessings of God Church, we're praying right now. You're praying right now. You ain't just bowing your head. You're praying with me right now. It's been evident from the beginning of the service. You manifested yourself, Lord, while we sang. Lord, your presence was felt. Lord, while we preached, even with all the distractions, God, you, you, working in the lives and hearts of those around us. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, for those that went out earlier, Lord, I know that more than likely it was a medical issue, so Lord, I pray for the health of that dear family. God, I pray that your hand will be upon them. Lord, we know that you are the great physician. God, we know that you are able to heal. Lord, we know that you are able to, to minister and to Lord, restore health. So, Lord, I pray for them. I pray that you'd comfort them during this time, give them strength to get through this. But, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for manifesting yourself and speaking to us in such a way, Lord, as we preached, ministering to hearts. Lord, I pray that this morning, There'll be breakthroughs all across this building and along this altar. God, I pray for the 11 o'clock hour. Lord, only you can do a work. Lord, we can't manufacture it. We can't duplicate what went on in this service. So, God, we ask you to do a new thing. We ask you to do a new thing. God, we ask you to do something special in the 11 o'clock that we may see souls saved lives restored, Lord, that we may leave out of here with joy, releasing, letting go, getting out any root of bitterness, leaving with joy, 
kindness, tenderhearted, forgiving one another for your sake. Because you, Lord, have showed that same kindness to us, the same love to us, same mercy, same forgiveness. God, we love you this morning. Thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.